Welcome to our DSM Hollywood podcast series. The following is an excerpt from Dr. Daniel Sherstad's weekly online Bible study for those in the entertainment industry, along with those who have a passion to see the kingdom of God revealed in Hollywood. For more information about DSM Hollywood, including upcoming events and how to join in on our Bible studies, please visit www.dsmhollywood.com. We're so glad you have tuned in, and we're grateful for the privilege to help you grow in your holy calling in Christ Jesus. Before you listen, I encourage you to grab your Bible and set your heart in expectancy to receive from the Lord, knowing that His heart is for you to grow in knowing Him and to grow in walking with Him. Thank you for taking time uh, out of your schedule and uh, spending time with us here. We just pray and believe that is going to be absolutely life-changing for you tonight. That's our prayer. That's our heart. That's our yes, desire. I want to specifically just say uh, that we are eternally grateful to the Lord for each and every one of our partners. You know, we travel around the globe. I've been to 27 different nations, six different continents, and uh, I've been doing this for 34 years. And so we're taking the gospel, the good news of the kingdom all over the world. And we would not be able to do that without our partners. And so those of you that are on the call that are partners, those that are on Facebook that are partners, I want to especially say uh, thank you so very much for helping us, praying for us, standing with us, financially supporting, uh, and helping us to do that which God has called us to do. I am the first one to, uh, to recognize that without partners, just as the Apostle Paul said, he would not be able to do what he was called to do. And so... It takes everybody doing their part, and so I'm so, so thankful. And so if you're not a partner, but you want to pray about that, uh, you can go to uh, dsmhollywood.com and check that out. We have an incredible website there with all different resources that you can check out. They're all free, and all the different information and the history and the background and find out more about Sue, myself, about the DSM Hollywood team and uh, how we ended up out in Hollywood and uh, Southern California and the LA area and what we're doing and and uh, there in the States and around the country, around the world really. And so we're so grateful, so thankful for everyone. Amen. 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 Yes, we so, love you all. That's awesome. Well, I'm gonna ask my wife, Sue, uh, she uh, could just uh, pray for us yes. and then uh, we'll jump right into the scriptures here tonight. Okay. Thank you, Lord, Heavenly Father. We come before you once again in Jesus' name. And and we just thank you, Father, for this time, Lord. We just Mm. thank you that you are um, building this community here of believers from the industry and around the the world, Lord. And and we're just so thankful and grateful, Lord, for each one that is tuned in, Lord. And and we believe that that you have something special for them tonight, that you want to speak to them, Lord, uh, by your spirit, Father. I just thank you for my husband and the the message that you have put upon his heart, Lord. And and we just thank you, Lord, that the voice of the accuser, that that condemning voice mm-hmm. has been silenced already but by the power of Jesus Christ in the power of his name and the power of his blood. And Lord, I just thank you for re- releasing a spirit of wisdom and of revelation through this teaching tonight, mm-hmm. Lord. And uh, just um, just illuminate our hearts and our minds tonight that we may receive the word of truth, the word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're causing each one to arise. And that uh, I thank you for a new level of faith, Lord, arising up out of their spirit. And we just thank you, Lord, um, just for your presence tonight Mm -hmm. in in each home, Lord, where each one is at. We just thank you for ministering to them, bringing encouragement and bringing hope bringing new vision, whatever they need, Lord. We just thank you for it now. Mm. In Jesus' mighty name, we give you all the glory for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Spirit. Well, this is our seventh uh, week in a row here now. We've been talking about uh, overcoming the spirit of accusation. All right. This call now is being recorded. And uh, so seventh week. This is part seven, Overcoming the Spirit of Accusation. We started out in the book of Job and uh, and how um, the enemy came at Job and and literally accused him of serving God 
Mike, can, can we ask everybody to just keep their 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 everything on mute? That'd be awesome. Um, that uh, came and it just accused God, really, uh, and accused Job. Uh, and said, God, man, the only reason that Job is serving you is because you have blessed him. And uh, that's the only reason. And God said, no, I don't think so. And so um, Job is like God's trophy that was held up by God to say, listen now, my sons and my daughters, my servants serve me, um, not simply because of the blessing, but because they love me. And, uh, and as you read the book of Job, you find out that... Uh, he has three friends that come at him and accuse him. They call, he call, calls them the friends, but they're really accusers. And they're accusing him night and day. And we read from uh, Revelation chapter 12, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, how it says that the accuser of the brethren has been cast down. And Jesus said that when he sent out the 70 disciples, he said that he saw Satan fall like lightning. So Revelation 12 is something that's past tense. Uh, it's not something that's going to take place in the future. It's already taking place. The accuser of the brethren, Satan, come on, the devil, he is. His first and foremost job is to accuse. He's like a prosecuting attorney, and he loves to accuse. And so it's so important that we as God's sons and daughters understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And that Jesus Christ is our, he is our defending lawyer. And every time the enemy tries to, riot, to raise up some kind of accusation, whether it's a false accusation or maybe even it's something that we did, and he tries to take it and use it and, and leverage it as uh, to accuse us that we are no longer worthy of the blessing of God or worthy of the grace of God or worthy of the mercy of God or the forgiveness of God. And so... Um, when we believe that lie, we empower the liar. Let me say that again. Every time you believe the lie, you empower the liar who is the accuser of the brother. Every accusation is literally laced with the spirit of, lie, of the liar. And coming to get us to a place, to, his, his, his end game, his end goal is to keep us from fulfilling that which we're called to do. Those of you that are in the industry, you have a calling upon your life. You have a gift and you have a grace upon your life. And, um, and there's all kinds of resistance that are going to, it's going to come against you. And uh, it has been coming and it's going to continue to come. And, uh, and none of us d does anything perfect. And so if we are going to uh, come to a place where we can really act in faith and really believe with confidence that the blessing of Abraham belongs to us because we're in Christ Jesus. We're going to have to be able to discern the voice of the Good Shepherd, the voice of our Father, and recognize it between that this is the voice of my Father, this is the voice of the accuser, and know how to realize that and know it immediately, and not be able to play games with that kind of thing. And so, because once you buy into the lie of that accusation, right? Then shame begins to set in. And um, now you begin to think that you're not worthy of the blessing of the Lord, or you're not worthy of any kind of promises being fulfilled. You're not worthy of the dream that's in your heart to come to pass in your life. And so that's his goal. That's his, if he can't keep you out of heaven, he will keep you from fulfilling the call your sense of destiny here on the earth. Therefore, when you get to heaven, there will be no, listen, going to heaven is not based upon what you do or don't do. It's based upon what Jesus did for you. But the rewards, there's a reward system that you're going to stand before God for. And there's going to be, and there's going to be, there's rewards that are going to be issued over. And that's, that is based upon what you do or don't do down here. And uh, so we're all going to give an account for what we do or don't do down here, but it has nothing to do with our eternal salvation, it has to have everything to do with what we're going to be rewarded with. So not only as it relates to living a fulfilled, peaceful, joyful uh, life here on earth, knowing every day, oh my God, that I today I live the life and I brought glory to God and I live with a sense of peace, come on, in comfort and joy 
and strength, knowing that today my life counted for the glory of God. We need to have that kind of assurance, that kind of confidence every single day. And uh, we can. And uh, it doesn't come easy. There's this warfare that takes place. But uh, we need uh, to come to a place where we understand that things happen because we live in a fallen world. And it doesn't, sometimes things happen because we, you know, we just make poor decisions, whatever, and we're reaping the consequences of that. And, and yet the grace of God and the mercy of God mm, trumps, well, the Bible says that mercy of God always trumps justice, right? And so the mercy of God, that's why he says, come boldly to the throne room of grace to find the, the throne room of grace to find help in the time of your need. Come on. And so every day I come to, I come boldly, confidently, not arrogantly, but with boldness and confidence, not based upon my works, not based upon anything I did or didn't do today, but based upon the work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. And my life is hidden in Christ and I'm wrapped in his righteousness so that when I stand before God, the father, the judge of all judges, Jesus, my defending attorney, let anything that the enemy, the prosecuting attorney brings as an accusation against me, like he did with Job. He said, Jesus says, no, 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 no. That which I did covers that. And then the justice of God or, or the, 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 the gavel of, of God, the judge, comes down and says, I rule in favor of my son based upon what Jesus has done. And so always remember everything. Your father, as he looks at you, he looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus. He thinks about you the, the same way he thinks about Jesus. He talks about you the same way he talks about Jesus. Why? Because he sees you and Jesus the Christ as one. You're not two separate. You are one in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul made it very clear. And so we have to live in that kind of confidence every single day. And so because that kind of confidence will give us the faith, the kind of, I talked about this last week, that kind of intentional, confident, bold, come on, shameless, persistent, insistent faith that comes to God the Father and says, listen, this is the promise that you have made. This is what the covenant says. And um, this is what I need to happen as it relates to fulfilling what I, I'm called to do with my life. And I'm not going to back up, let up, give up, or shut up. I'm going to press in. Come on, like the widow who came in Luke chapter 18 to the judge, and she got what she wanted, even though that judge didn't care about God or people. And Jesus said, your father in heaven is nothing like that judge. Will he not speedily answer those who come to him persistently? And then he says, will not will Jesus find this kind of persistent faith when he returns? Then in Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he says, listen, let me tell you a story about a friend who came to another friend's house. He got all of this unexpected company at midnight. And he comes knocking on the door and he says to him, uh, I got friends, I got nothing to feed them or drink. Can you help me out? And he says, listen, it's midnight, we're all in bed and uh, I'm not gonna get up out of bed and give you anything. But Jesus said, this man will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend. Jesus made a point, he's making a point here in the story. Not because he is his friend, the relationship is going to have not, has really nothing to do. Your relationship gets you and gives you the ability to come boldly to the throne room to knock. But Jesus says what gets you the answer is your shameless, persistent, insistent faith. He who keeps knocking, come on, knocks and keeps on knocking, asks and keeps on asking, seeks and keeps on seeking, this kind of shameless, that's what I want to focus in on here tonight, that kind of shameless, yeah, intentional, persistent faith has to contain no shame. And if there's any kind, and so the, the, the enemy, the accuser loves to level shame on us so that it literally robs us of the power to be persistent and insistent in our prayers of faith 
as it relates to seeing that which God wants to happen, to praying, thy kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven now. So that's what we're after right there. Even in the story of Job, one of the first things that, they, that the, his friend said, him, look at you, Job, you got boils all over your body. Well, in the covenant, it says that boils was part of, was a sign of the curse. We've been redeemed from the curse. Come on now. And so, but he, they said, those you got boils on you. That means you're cursed by God. Look, you, you definitely did something wrong. And yet, uh, the Bible made it very clear that, you know, Job didn't do anything wrong or did any kind of made, did anything to bring this on him. And yet, his accusers are leveling, come on now, this accusation that he's cursed because he has this particular circumstance, physical experience going on in his physical body kind of thing. So Job has to spend 90 days because his this event in his life lasts for 90 days dealing with these accu these accusers coming to him day and night. Now, uh, if you have your Bibles, I want to go to the Gospel of John chapter 8 tonight, and I want to talk a little bit about this tonight. John chapter 8 and verse 1. It says like this. It says, Jesus walked up the Mount of Olives, near the city where he spent the night. Then at dawn, Jesus appeared in the temple courts again. And soon all the people gathered around him to listen to his words. So he sat down and he began to teach them. Listen, revelation knowledge is, is the outcome of hunger. Let me just put it that way. You remember that story when, uh, uh, Mark, you get that? <clears throat> when, uh, you remember the story when uh, Jesus came to Mary and Martha's house and he came with all of his disciples. He came with his entire, like 70 disciples, got the whole entourage with them kind of thing. And they come, they come into the house kind of thing. And, and the Bible records that, you know, Martha is so, she's so busy trying to, you know, you know, because she's cooking up like tacos and enchiladas for everybody there kind of thing. And uh, she's busy getting everything ready for them to eat and everything. And Jesus is teaching. And it says that her sister Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus and listened uh, to the words of Jesus. And then her sister Martha comes in. She's all, she accuses Mary of being mm, not caring about what's going on in the room and that accuses her basically of being lazy. And, uh, and so, because she's not helping Martha and, uh, and so, but Jesus turns around and speaks directly to Martha and says, Martha, 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 you are, you have, you have literally allowed yourself to be distracted with all of these different things. You know, she could have, she had the opportunity to sit down and listen. She could have said, listen, Jesus, you bring your whole, your whole crew with you here. I'll tell you what, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And if you guys are hungry after that, when we're all said and done, then we'll get up and cook you something or whatever. Try to help you guys get some food or whatever. Or you guys can help yourself get some food kind of thing. And, uh, and yet she was so distracted and so concerned and so full of, to the point where she was full of anxiety. And, uh, and so, uh, but she said, Mary has chosen the good part. She has chosen of her own free will to sit down at my feet and to hear the revelatory teaching that I am bringing forth at this moment. The life of God. Life comes from revelation, not just by listening to somebody, but by the Holy Spirit taking. That's why I always ask, please listen to the voice within my voice. There is revelation that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows he is so good at taking the, 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 the teaching of God's word under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and crafting it in such a way that he can speak individually and uniquely to every single person on this call and every person on Facebook and meet them right there at the point of their need. And they can hear something that somebody else didn't hear in the message 
because it's going to meet them at their need. But it takes someone who's hungry for that and thirsty for that. So I want to just once again encourage us and exhort us to make sure we take time every single day to come. Jesus showed up in the temple and where, but Jesus, he's, he's there. And just as his custom was kind of thing, it says all of these people came and they began to surround Jesus. And because they were so hungry and they were so thirsty that Jesus began to teach them again. And it says uh, that in the middle of his teaching, the religious scholars and the Pharisees broke through the crowd and brought a woman who had been caught in the act of committing adultery and made her stand in the middle of everyone. So here we have this lady. We don't know her name. Notice that these guys didn't bring the man with them. And where's the guy who was caught in adultery? Come on. He takes two to tango. Come on now. And, uh, and so where was it? Probably was one of these Pharisees too. Uh, it was one of these guys right there. And that's, they don't bring the guy. They just bring the woman before Jesus and, uh, and literally shame her in front of everyone and then brings this accusation against her and accuses her in public with this huge multitude of people there. And uh, they said to Jesus, teacher, rabbi, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death a woman like this? Tell us, Jesus, what do you say that we should do with this lady? They were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. So now we got then the spirit of accusation working on multiple level, levels. So not only is this lady mm, now being publicly accused of adultery, and uh, now Jesus is being accused. They're trying to accuse him of breaking the laws of Moses. So that's really, so they're using, they're leveraging this lady, accusing her publicly. But the, the end game is, is they want to accuse Jesus and uh, accuse him of something and try to catch him and trap him in this accusation so that they can uh, find a legitimate reason to get rid of him. But Jesus didn't answer them. Watch this. Instead, instead, it says here, <clears throat> he simply bent down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Angry, they kept insisting that he answer their question. So Jesus stood up and looked at them and said, so let me, so here Jesus is now, he's standing here, there's this great multitude that's surrounding him, they're there in the temple courts, okay, he's been teaching for, I don't know, maybe an hour or so kind of thing, and now they, 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 they little interrupt him, they bring this lady, they literally throw her down in the midst of this huge crowd, they accuse her of adultery, and then they try to accuse they're trying to trap Jesus so they can accuse him of breaking the law of Moses, okay? So Jesus doesn't even respond. Listen, um, wisdom, the spirit of wisdom, the Bible says that Jesus had the spirit of wisdom. He, he was wisdom. But it says that even as he grew up from 12, you know, as a, as a young man all the way to the age that he is now, that it says that he grew in wisdom and in favor with God, his father, and with man. So he, he, he has the spirit and the anointing of wisdom. That's part of one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's resting upon him. But notice now, when you're being accused of something, or being, or something is happening in your life, or you're being tested so that you can be accused of something, 
it's always best to follow the example of Jesus to not react off the top of your head. We love our, our flesh loves to just kind of like just boom, bang, right out of the gate. Who do you think you are? Why are you saying that? Why are you accusing me of that? You know that's not kind of true kind of thing. You know in that uh, I know you're, you know, I know really what you're up to kind of thing. I know the real motives of your heart. I know what you're trying to do kind of thing. It's best to literally to take a step back. Come on now. It's wisdom. Come on now. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. Come on now. We will be justified. Come on now. Or condemned through the abundance of words that flow out of our mouth. Jesus said, I only say words that come out of my mouth after I, the Holy Spirit quickens them to me and he shows me or tells me what my father wants me to say. So I only say words that my father tells me to say and I only do things that my father tells me to do. And so it's always wise, <clears throat> come on now, to bite your tongue, come on now. He says now, remember now, let me finish that verse there in Proverbs chapter 18. Death and life is in the power of your tongue, and that those who love it will eat the fruit of it. So you're going to end up eating the fruit of either positive, inspired, Holy Spirit words that he is leading and guiding you to say, or you're going to eat the fruit of your carnal, fleshly words that you are just speaking off the top of your head because somebody somebody pushed your emotional button kind of thing. Uh, one of the greatest moments in your life will be, I was just uh, talking with somebody today and they were relating to me and I'm not even sure that they're a born again Christian, but we were having a conversation today and uh, she was relating to me that one of the best moments of her life just happened just in the last year where she um, just realized it was kind of like a light that came on that the only thing that she had really control over her life was how she was going to feel or respond to people. And she was done allowing people to control her emotions. Hmm. And um, it reminds me of my daughter, Danielle, years ago. Um, my daughter's 26. My daughter is 20. My daughter, Sarah, is 22. I hope they don't mind me telling this story. But when they were young, when they're young, this is years and years ago, they were young. You know, you know how sisters kind of tease each other kind of thing. And and there were moments where my, her, and Sarah, the younger, would uh, tease her older sister and try to antagonize her kind of thing and get her upset kind of thing. And she was uh, very good at it. And uh, and so, you know, how sisters are. They just like to have fun that way. And, uh, and, the, and yet there was, there was an awakening that took place one day in my daughter's, Danielle's, heart where she just decided that she is from this that moment forward she was never going to allow her younger sister to cause her to ever be angry again okay and i gotta and i gotta be honest with you i've been for the last 15 years or so i've never seen her ever get angry or get upset about anything anything just told i mean she just made a decision as a young as a young lady that that was going to happen in her life, and she's literally lived that out. So don't tell me that you can't, you can't, you can't do that. We all can do that. We all can make a decision that we, because we all, especially those of us who have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, we can control how we respond to accusations. Um, to come on, to people trying to control us, manipulate us, intimidate us, um, you know, incite things, cause us to to be angry about stuff like that. And, but we need to follow the, the example of Jesus the Christ and literally when you, and just be quiet. Sometimes it's just wisdom not to say anything until you actually know what to say and just bite your tongue or walk out of the room or whatever. So Jesus knows, sees everybody's watching. There's a whole lot of, that's on the line right here. What he says next, what he does next is going to determine what's going to happen in the future. And so he literally gets down on his knees, bends down, he begins to take his finger and write into the dirt, into the dust, it says here. And then he says, let's have a man 
who has never had a sinful desire. Hmm. Right there, that Greek word is A-N-A-M-A-R-T-E-T-O-S. It doesn't simply mean sin. It literally means sinful desire. So that's why this translation uh, writes it out that way. Other translations says any man without sin, but not just sin, but having even the desire to want to sin. That's why the Bible says that it says that he literally that by the power of his blood, that by the, his his outward bleeding, he literally literally removed the power, the shame of our all of our transgressions, and it says that. Be, of his by his bruising bruising is internal bleeding by his internal bleeding he literally set us free from the iniquity so not only are not only are we set free from the power and the shame of our transgressions but we have been set free by from the shame and the power of our iniquity which is internal desire to want to sin so he said, I bled on the outside for the outward transgressions of your sin. Then I bled internally to set you free from the internal want to desire to sin. Because you've got to want to before you actually act that thing out. And so he said, I set you free from both. And so not only the transgression, but the want to transgress, the desire. So he says here, those who have never even had a desire, even one sinful desire, the, let them throw the first stone at her. And then he bent over again and wrote some more words in the sand. Now watch this. Watch this now. This is very profound. In Jeremiah 17, 13, it says those who forsake God or those who commit spiritual adultery, their names shall be written in dust. <laughs> come on now. Can I suggest to you what Jesus is doing here is fulfilling, come on now, the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy. Jeremiah 17, 13, he says, for all of those, come on now, who commit spiritual adultery, their names shall be literally written in the dust. Can I say to you that he said that he literally bowed out and began to write their names, come on now, in the dust, one by one. And when they saw that, it brought great conviction to their hearts. It was the finger of God that wrote the Ten Commandments in stone. Come on now. So now the finger of God mm, through the one man, Jesus Christ, is writing, come on now, in the dust, writing names in the dust because they have literally, all of them have literally broken the commandments. And, uh, and so not one of them has lived up to that. And so every one of these accusers, <laughs> Jesus is calling them out for who they really are and calling them out for their incredible high level of hypocrisy. One thing that God can't stand is hypocrites and hypocrisy. Come on now. People trying to be something they're really not. Where man, God loves people who are real with him. Come on now, that are honest, that are true and not trying to fake it. Come on now, but really, man, just be real before God. There's something, there's, there's just a real sense when you're humble before the Lord, when you humble yourself before God in humility like that, God says that he will exalt you in due time. So powerful. So upon hearing that, her accusers slowly left the crowd one at a time, beginning with the oldest to the youngest, with a convicted conscience, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. So he stood back up and he said to her, Dear woman, where are your accusers? Come on now, we're talking about overcoming the spirit 
of accusation. You know how you do that? Number one is you got to get into the presence of Jesus. Come on now. You got to get into the manifest, tangible, anointed presence. Take it, make an intentional decision. My goodness. When you feel that act, that, that, that spirit of accusation trying to intimidate you, trying to control you, trying to bring shame upon you, you need to literally separate yourself, get into the presence of the Holy Spirit. Come on now. Put some praise, put some worship music on some anointed praise to worship come on get come on and begin to spend some time in the presence of just worshiping god begin to praise him come on begin to spend time come on listening to the words of the lord come on now the living word of god the living word of god because that come on, a, a a sense of when you begin into his presence come on any kind of accusation any kind of shame the enemy's trying to to bring to you whether it's true or not true it will begin to lift off of you because you've been set free from that come on now and so you've got to see yourself in the mirror of god's word and as you spend time in the word of god and listening to the words of jesus the mirror of god's word will begin he says the more you spend time because the word of god is jesus and jesus is the word of god and as you spend time looking into the mirror of god's word and seeing who you really are in Christ Jesus. Come on now. The longer you do that, the more impact it's going to have on you. And the more, the less power and influence the spirit of accusation is going to have over you. Come on now. Listen, I know I've been doing this for 34 years. And I've met people who've been believers for like 20, 25 years. And they still living under the shame, still dealing almost on a daily basis with the spirit of accusation and shame. And and always feeling like they're never good enough or feeling like, oh, my goodness, maybe I lost my salvation today kind of thing. And always 20 years of this kind of thing. That is not the will of God for your life. That is not the, that is no way to live in joy and peace and fulfillment in the kingdom of God. God wants to live with a, with a sense of absolute confidence and boldness, knowing who you are in Jesus Christ. Again, not based upon what you are, you don't do. Again, that doesn't mean that when you, when you do miss the mark that you don't need to come and ask for forgiveness, come on now. We need to live in an ongoing state of repentance every day. I do that every day. I, I thank the Lord. Every day I come to God the Father and I say, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the forgiveness of my sins, out anything that I may know or don't know about all of them. I said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. Come on, in a right attitude and a right spirit about me kind of thing. May it ever become stronger and stronger and stronger every day. I thank you that your righteousness literally covers me, Lord, and I stand in your righteousness. But at the same time, I stand here in humility, understanding who I am. And, and in my weakness, Christ's strength can be perfected as I walk in humility before God, my Father. And his strength gives me the power, come on now, to literally to live free from that shame. And uh, come on now, where are your accusers? Come on now. And there he says, is there anyone who's there to accuse you or condemn you? And looking on, because the law required at least two people, two accusers and two witnesses to accuse and to condemn somebody. Looking around, she replied, I don't see anyone, Lord. Notice she calls him Yahweh here. Obviously, she has some level of some kind of revelation of who he really is even as an, uh, somebody who was committing an adultery. And Jesus said, then I, then I certainly don't accuse you, and I certainly don't condemn you either. Go from now on, be free from the life of sin. Mm, that is so powerful right there. Oh, my God. Go, be free from the life of sin right there. Who I do not accuse you, and I do not condemn you. My goodness, if you don't get anything out of this teaching here tonight, your Father, Jesus the Christ, the Holy Spirit, come on. They do not, any voice you hear that's bringing any level of accusation against you, no matter where it's coming from, no matter what's happened in today or yesterday, no matter how it's coming, what whether it's a voice of a friend, come on, the voice of the enemy, a voice in your head, you need to hear me here tonight and hear me clearly. It is not your father accusing you. It is not Jesus accusing you. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. Come on now. And Romans chapter 8 says, 
if there's anyone that has the right to condemn you and to accuse you, it's Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, I do not. I'm the only one who has the right and literally the power to do that, who lived a life of perfectness and has the right to literally level any kind of accusation or condemnation against anybody. But I do not condemn you. I do not accuse you. And so your father doesn't, he doesn't level any kind of shame on you. And he loves, it's the perfect love of God when you begin to understand it, that literally drives out all fear, come on, of living in fear of God the Father condemning you, putting you down, come on, making you feel like something that you're not kind of thing. No, the perfect love of God, the unconditional love, the unconditional acceptance, the unconditional forgiveness of God, the unconditional grace, come on, his empowering presence, his word that comes to you. Come on, I love how this, this translation says, go be, be free from a life of sin. Come on now. When God released, come on now, Jesus, the God-man, released that command. To whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Whew, she walked away free because you can't receive anything from the Father when you don't believe that you're worthy of receiving it. That one thought right there. I'll never forget uh, dear friends of us years ago that this uh, this uh, young this this woman <clears throat> she died uh, of, of of lung cancer and her daughter was uh, part of the of my Bible study and stuff like that and uh, you know, we were praying for her healing and stuff and and uh, she ended up dying of lung cancer and uh, her daughter really wasn't understanding why she wasn't being healed and. It wasn't until uh, the very moment, literally like one minute before she died, she, her, she asked for her daughter to lean over the deathbed there. And she whispered into her daughter's ear and she says, she says, I just want you to know, daughter, that I never really did believe that I was worthy of God healing my lung cancer. That one thought, come on now, total accusation come on now condemnation man you smoke cigarettes all of your life kind of thing you're the one who brought this lung cancer on why would in the world would god want to heal you so she lived with years with that kind of shame that kind of accusation that kind of condemnation and it kept her in the in the and she just finally confessed at the last moment that she never really could she not even for a moment did she ever believe that she was ever worthy come on now of, and when you're living in a sense of unworthiness, when you're living under shame, when you're living under that accus that spirit of accusation constantly, kind of thing, I'm telling you right now, it's you cannot operate in faith because faith, come on now, when remember now, shameless, insistent, persistent faith keeps knocking on the door, keeps seeking, come on now, keeps asking. But when you're under the shame, come on now, there is no persistence. There is no insistence. There is no confidence. Therefore, there is no real faith that's being activated when you're praying kind of thing. You're just kind of hoping kind of thing and and uh, and that that doesn't get the promises manifested in your life. So I'm trying to get us to a place where we can live free from that spirit of accusation, where we can live free from shame. Come on now. Where we can live free from condemnation, where we can move with insistent, persistent, shameless faith boldly into the throne room of God's grace to find the help, come on, that will literally give us the answer right then when we need it. It's so, so very important. You remember when then when those four men brought that man who was paralyzed to Jesus and he was in the house and the house was surrounded with so many people they couldn't even get into the house. And it says that they went to the top of the house. And let me just say this, too many Christians think that because they couldn't get in the front door that it must not be God's will for them to get healed or for the promise to take place, man, they didn't, they, didn't, man, they didn't interpret that. Just because the door was closed don't mean it's not the will of God. They got on top of the roof and ripped the roof off. If they can't get in the windows, come on. If they can't get to the door, if the doors are locked, bless God. We're going to get into the presence of God. Come on, shameless, persistent, insistent faith. Come on, rips roofs off and lowers, come on now, their friend 
into the very manifest presence of Jesus Christ himself. And when Jesus said he saw their faith, he saw the demonstration of their faith, he said to the man, man, your sins are forgiven. Notice he didn't say first, get up and walk. He said, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because he needed that man for him to receive, come on now, the power, the healing power of Christ. He needed to be free from the shame of his sin. I want you, if you can constantly living under the shame of your sin, come on now. Somebody can come along and say well, 100, 200, 400, 1,000 times that it's the will of God for that promise to manifest in your life. You're never going to receive it. You're never really going to believe it because you're so consumed. Your soul, you have so bought into the lie, and now you've given your power away to the liar, and now he has authority and dominion over you, and that's why you're living under the weight of all of that. And so first and foremost, you need to be set free. Oh, my God. You need to be set free in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, set free for that so that you can walk free and receive the word of the Lord that says, man, come on now, you are healed. You are delivered the promise to you, the dream that I placed in your heart. I want that, daughter, to come to pass in your life in the name of Jesus. And uh, let me just close with this, this thought here tonight. That um, You remember the story in 1 Samuel where Hannah, it says that her husband had two wives, right? And, but it says that, her, that her, the husband loved Hannah the most. And actually, she had double favor. She had twice as much favor as the other wife had. But Hannah was unable, come on now, to give her husband any sons or any children. And, uh, and so in that culture, because sons represented the future, because sons carried the name, the family name, and carried on that family mm, culture into the future. So if there is no sons, there is no future. And so, so any kind of barren woman who could not do that in that culture carried this shame upon them. And so she's living under this shame. And then every year when they would go to the house of the Lord, to the temple to worship and offer up sacrifices to God and to worship God, it would, the Bible records that the other, the other, they would come, she would bring her children but uh, Hannah didn't have any children, and the other wife would literally provoke her, literally provoke her and literally accuse and condemn her and put shame on her kind of thing to the point where she would like just weep uncontrollably. And even though her husband loved her and it and he didn't really, to him, it was, it was no big deal. He loved her twice as much as the other, even though she couldn't give her any children. He said, is it my love for you worth more than 10 sons, he says. And, uh, and so that's how much he loved her. So her husband wasn't shaming her, and he was doing everything that he could do. And when they, when they would take the sacrifice, they would divide it up. He would give her twice as much and bless her, always blessing her with twice as much with everything to try to convince her that uh, she was loved twice as much and that she had twice as much favor and twice as much grace upon her life. And yet she could not embrace that. She could not believe that. Even though she experienced it over and over, the, the accusation, the provoking, the condemning, the shame that the other, the other uh, wife would put on her all the time literally, would literally weighed so heavy upon her that she could not receive the love that was coming from her husband until she was provoked to the place where mm, she came into the temple one day and she was began to weep before the Lord. And she cried out to God that, oh God, if you would just open up my womb. And she says, I will take the, the first son and I will dedicate him and give him like a tithe unto you to the Lord kind of thing. And it says that uh, in the scriptures that she was praying so feverishly, so passionately, and yet her, she, wasn't, though she was not saying anything audibly, but her mouth was just moving. And the, and the priest thought that she was actually drunk from a distance. And so he came over to her and said, he said, man, you need to put away your wine. Why are you drinking so much like that? And, and he thought she, she was literally drunk out of her head. And she said, I'm not drunk. And she began to share her heart and, and how she'd been provoked to pray this prayer. Well, can I say to us that sometimes things happen in our life to provoke us? 
There's a provoking prayer. Come on, now somebody needs to hear me tonight. Some things happen in our life to provoke us to pray like we've never prayed before. Come on now, why? Because God wants to open some things up that have been closed in your life, but he cannot open it up. Come on now. He can't, things that have been shut up. God loves to move. God loves to do that. Come on now. Are you listening to me? It wasn't. You remember in Genesis chapter 25, it says that, you know, remember when Abraham sent his, his servant to find a wife for Isaac, and she, he brought back Rebekah, and God, he brought back a wife. Now, remember now, the promise was to Abraham, watch now, that his sons and his son's sons, right, that this blessing would go from generation to generation to generation, right? And yet, when Rebekah is brought back, she's barren. She can't produce any children. So why would God lead the servant of Abraham to bring back a barren woman when the prophetic word, come on, the prophecy was that Abraham, that your sons and your grandsons and your great-grandsons and your great-great-grandsons, and it's just going to go from generation to generation to generation. Well, how's that going to happen if, come on, your sons marry a barren woman? Come on now. But the reality was, come on now, that Abraham married someone who was barren. Sarah was barren. Come on now. Now, Isaac marries somebody who's barren. Jacob marries somebody who is barren. Why is this? Why? 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 Because God said, why would God do that? Because it isn't simply good enough to receive the prophetic word. Come on now. You've got to receive the prophetic word. And no matter what the circumstances like, Genesis chapter 25 says, after Jacob, after, after, after Jacob prayed and prayed and prayed and was insistent and he was persistent. Come on now. And he kept on coming to God with no shame and asking God to open up the, the womb of Rebekah after he did that year after year after year, refusing to give up, knocking and kept on knocking, asking and keep on asking, seeking and keep on seeking. Why? Because the prophetic word was that he was Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, so on, so on. There wasn't going to be no Jacob unless Rebekah's womb opened up. Come on now. And so he prayed and he prayed and he prayed insistently and persistently and then god opened up come on now rebecca's dead barren womb just like he did with hannah mm, come on now what provoked come on now what, what provoked isaac to pray that kind of prayer it was come on now it was a provoking prayer hannah was it was a provoking prayer things that were shut up so we got what do we got here we got hannah was barren we got Abraham's wife was barren. Isaac's wife was barren. Jacob's wife was barren. Come on, Samson's mom was barren. Come on now. John the Baptist, come on now. Mom was barren. All of these great women who gave birth to powerful, come on now, sons who literally, literally hell had the future in their life. Come on, prophetic huge destinies. But all of them had closed up barren wombs. Because God, come on now, he's not looking for lazy, come on, sons and daughters who just receive a prophetic word, sit back, oh my God, I guess it's, auto, it's just going to automatically happen. No, you got to pray that thing into existence. You got to take that word. You got to stand on that word. You got to be insistent that that word's going to come to pass no matter what it looks like. Come on. But you're not going to be able to have that kind of faith if you're constantly living under shame under the spirit of accusation and giving power to that spirit, you first and foremost have got to be set free from the shame of accusate the spirit of accusation so that you can move into a position of shameless, persistent, insistent faith that gets the door open that gets the wound open. So I'm prophesying to here tonight to everybody on the Google Meet call, everybody that's watching, come on, the live on Facebook here tonight, everybody that's listening to the podcast, come on, whether, I don't care if it's tonight or next week or next month, come on. If you're listening to this, the word of the Lord to you is, come on, if you let what's happening in your life provoke you, come on now, First and foremost, I want to break the power of shame over your life in the name of Jesus. I bind the spirit of accusation over your life now. 
in the name of Jesus. I take authority and dominion. Come on, literally receive it. Just don't sit there. Come on and stare in the space. Listen, come on, open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive the word of the Lord here tonight. You're being set free now in the name of Jesus from the spirit of shame. Come on now, the spirit of accusation, the spirit of condemnation in the name of Jesus so that you can move into a place of confidence. Come on, a place of faith, a place of boldness in the name of Jesus Christ where you can literally stand in the presence of God and believe that even in, in the face, in the face of circumstances that looks like everything is closed up and you're going to give you're not going to give birth to the promise. You're not going to give birth to the future. You're not going to give birth to your destiny. I'm here tonight to say prophetically under the word of the Lord here, hear the word, hear the voice within my voice now in the name of Jesus. I am prophesying that God has brought some circumstances in your life to provoke you to pray and keep on praying like Hannah until you see a super natural come on turn around in your life until you see that which is closed begin to open up in the name of jesus and you will now give birth to the promise of god that's the season that we're entering into now in the name of jesus so father i thank you lord for every person that's listening here now lord god every person on the Google Meet call, every person live on Facebook, every person listening to the podcast, in the name of Jesus, I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit to break every chain, to lift every burden. I release the burden-removing, chain-destroying power of the Holy Spirit now through the impartation of your prophetic word, through the impartation of your Holy Spirit. No matter where you're at, there is no time and space with God right now. In the name or ever, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving powerfully in and through and for everyone who's listening here tonight. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. Give you all the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Everyone that's watching on Facebook, I just want to say thank you. Um, and if you want more, again, if you want to um, leave a prayer request, you want to leave a comment, you want to more and more about the ministry, you can go to dsmhollywood.com. And uh, you can uh, you can uh, contact us that way, kind of thing. Find out more about being a partner or whatever the case may be. So, but from my heart to yours, I want to thank you. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. I just know that I know that I know that uh, a number of you have received the word of the Lord tonight, and the Lord has set you free. In the name of Jesus. So I'm just telling you right now, God's turning it around. I want to leave you with this thought here. You know what really, really brought double blessing into Job's life? We're going to end this whole series of messages with this thought right here. You know what brought the double blessing? In the end, Job was blessed after 90 days. The ordeal only lasted 90 days. After 90 days, the Bible records that he was twice as wealthy, twice as rich, twice as much resources. Everything doubled. The blessing doubled. In Job's life, but you know what happened? You know why it did? Because God spoke to Job and said, Listen, all of those voices, all those accusers, all of those, they have been saying things that are not right and inaccurate and bringing all these false accusations, and they're in trouble. And I need you, Job, to pray for your accusers. And the Bible records that when Job prayed for every person who was accusing him, that God turned Job's captivity and the double blessing flowed like a mighty river into his life. Can I leave you with that thought and encourage you, even exhort you? Come on now. People 
what are the organizations, whatever that spirit of accusation, whatever form it's coming to you in, I'm telling you right now, pray for them. Come on, pray for them. They, I know they don't do, they don't deserve it, but come on now. But pray for them anyway. Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who, who misuse you and abuse you. Pray for those who are your enemies. Bless them. Do something good for them. He says, in doing that, they will begin to see that you are the true sons and daughters of God. So we don't come back with accusations. We don't curse those who accuse us. We pray for them and ask for the grace and the mercy and the love of God to be displayed in their life in such a way because it's the goodness of God that leads people to a place of repentance in their life. Not the anger of God, not the judgment of God, come on now, but the goodness of God. Pray for them and watch God turn everything around for you and cause double to flow into your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for watching. God bless you guys on Facebook. We'll see you next week right here at the same time. Amen.